News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Want to welcome to the program the chief investigator at Fox 46 Charlotte, Jody Barr. How are you, sir? Welcome to the show. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Certainly. So um, you did this big story. I just want to uh, kind of point out here. Uh, it's like half an hour. It took me half an hour to read this. <laughs> it's seven pages. So uh, we're going to give you like six minutes. And uh, <laughs> uh, no. so the headline on this thing, though, is essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I watched your, your piece and I read it. So I got a pretty good idea. It's basically don't fly with large amounts of money because the government will take it from you. Is that about it? Uh, yes, that is it. But defining the term large uh, from the government is the problem with this. Right. So explain. Or I guess I'm curious first, how did you get how were you made aware that this was happening? Where did you get? I don't know, so, you know, don't tell, tell me sources or anything, but how did you get yeah. onto the story? Well, I always heard about civil asset forfeiture just being in the news that, you know, there's this program the federal government can use to take property from Americans and non-Americans. Uh, but just seize property without ever filing a criminal charge. So this is something I'd always wanted to delve into, but finding people that this has happened to, believe it or not, is, is a, a little tough. And in July, we had gotten an email into the newsroom from a man who was flying out of Charlotte Douglas, uh, and he had 27600 bucks uh, in his luggage, and it was seized from him by a Charlotte Mecklenburg police officer who was cross-sworn as a federal agent. So at, at the airport. Goes, yes, right in the terminal. So he's he's walking through with $27,000 in a backpack, and mm -hmm. I think that's got to be addressed, like, right out of the gate here, uh, no pun intended. Yep. But, like, what's he doing <laughs> walking around with that kind of cash? Well, his story is that he is going through a, a contentious, hotly contested divorce and that uh, money was uh, being withdrawn from his bank account. Um. Uh, by the other party in the divorce. So he decided that he would start just uh, cashing his paycheck. And instead of putting that money in the bank, he would put that money, uh, he would just get the cash and keep it stored at home. He, uh, he is from Rutherford County, right outside of, uh, outside of Charlotte. So he was in town on vacation and had his cash with him. He had driven here from Houston, Texas, where he's working right now. And he was flying out to Oregon, he says, to meet a friend. They were going to gamble uh, out in Oregon, and uh, it was the last two days of his vacation, and he never made it out of Charlotte Douglas. Because they took all the money, So, and I thought this is kind of, uh, I don't want to say devious, but disturbing to me, that you go through the line, TSA screens everything, and you never know that they have flagged you. They just mm -hmm. put in a phone call. And the next thing, he's sitting in one of the bars and he's drinking a beer. It's 7 in the morning, but as you mentioned in the story, he's a second shifter. So this drinking at 7 a.m. is not a, you know, not a thing for him or me. No, I'm kidding. But um, he's, so he's there having a beer. And the next thing, he's approached, and they basically take his money and they leave. Like, they give him a piece of paper and they walk away. And now to get this money back, as you say in the story, uh, he's basically got to hire an attorney and drop probably more money than he had taken from him in order to fight this. So where's the incentive to fight? And that is, you know, in, in a lot of these cases, I mean, we hear about the big money cases, but I mean, there is some of the data we got from Homeland Security. There are cases $1,000 and under where, where people have had that cash seized from them going through, you know, a TSA checkpoint. So 
in most of the cases in these civil asset forfeitures, and we're talking just inside of United States airports, is a lot of these cases, it would cost you far more just for the time and effort for a consultation with an attorney than it would ever be to go through this 18 to 24 month process to fight the federal government, or really you're fighting the U.S. Attorney's Office um, to get this money back. So I'm sure they all wanted to go on the record and address this issue with you, clear it all up for you, right? You got lots of comments from the government agencies involved? <laughs> you know, uh, that would have been nice. But no, uh, you know, surprisingly, uh, TSA was the only agency to talk with us about it because from, from TSA's standpoint, TSA is telling me, oh, we're not a law enforcement agency. We're just trying to keep dangerous things off of aircraft. That's the only role we have here. We don't seize money. Well, TSA is the frontline watchdog for every one of these airport seizure cases because, of course, like everyone, you plop your bag down on the scanner and you walk through you, you walk through the metal detector. And meanwhile, there are a couple of agents, TSA officers, watching the scanner, the monitor, to see what's inside of your bag. You know, in, in both, you know, the case out of Charlotte Douglas, the guy says they scan his bag. He sees them looking at the scanner but they never say anything to him. Right. So TSA waves him through, and then the next thing he knows, he's in a terminal, and he says, um, again, a Charlotte-Mecklenburg police officer acting as a federal agent walks up and says that, you know, his dog alerted on the guy's bag, and then they were inside of it, taking his money out of it. Right, so the idea there is that they've got the canine unit and that the dog hit on the bag, it alerted to the bag, so that there's what drugs or some bomb material or something in the bag that would allow them to uh, uh, open it up. They ask him, can we search it? He says, sure, there's nothing illegal in there. Now, I would also point out that, like, all money, basically all U.S. currency has some drug residue on it. I think there was, like, some big study that came out about this. It's like <laughs> everything's got some drug residue on it. So I guess if you've Thank got God 20... what else. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right, because they roll them up and use it for Coke. I don't know, but if the if that's the idea that you got $27,000 in cash in your bag, then I'm assuming the dog might very well have hit, but it didn't sound like in the interview that a dog actually did hit on that bag. They just happened to walk up to him and say, let's see your bag. And well, then his, they took his money. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah, no, his story is that, you know, he's walking two by two through the uh, TSA security checkpoint. And, and you've been in the airport when this happens. They'll take you and another passenger. You go side by side and you both walk past the dog um, that, that's set up in the middle. And he says he did that. And not, nobody said anything to him. No one alerted, no dog alerted to him. And it was only after the TSA saw his money and he believes put a target on his back that he walks through the terminal and there are cameras everywhere where law enforcement can see everywhere you go, obviously in these airports. But it was only after that he had sat down, had that beer. He saw these agents eyeing him yeah. and then eventually came up and confronted him. Well, and here's the, here's what makes me not trust that story either. Um, from, uh, uh, from the official version of the story is that if the dog alerted on the pass by, why would you let that potential perpetrator get into the terminal? If the dog alerted, <laughs> then why are you letting the bomb go into the airport? Why would you stop? Why wouldn't you stop him right there? That doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, so well, right. here's an important yeah, part go ahead. Of that story. It was a totally different dog and a totally different officer. 
that does undermine the original story then yes that does under yeah. if it's a completely different dog altogether then yes yeah uh that doesn't make any sense either um i'm sure there's uh, all right so that's one case you also looked at this other case which is actually for over a hundred thousand dollars out of raleigh durham and uh you i saw that you went actually up to raleigh durham you got a video of the interrogation very disturbing to me. Now, I don't know how much time you got with us. I got to go to news. If you want to stick around, can, or can you stick around for another segment? Totally sure, up to I'd you. Love to, love to talk about this. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. And joining me is Jody Barr. Jody Barr is the chief investigator uh, reporter at Fox 46, uh, fox46.com here in Charlotte, and uh, did a big story. And I mean, it's a big story, like... Very large, long, lengthy. It's and it really. So first off, congrats on on like local news doing this kind of in depth reporting. You know, like this is this is pretty unique in today's day and age. I think so. Congrats on that, and kudos to you guys in Fox Forty Six for doing this kind of work. Um, and you mentioned first the story Cody James, uh, the first guy you talked to. The second guy that you uh, that you spoke to, he's out of Raleigh, right? A guy by the name of is it Raymond Lyon or Ramon? Yeah, Ramon Lyon. Yeah, and so over a hundred thousand dollars, this guy tried to bring through the uh, the gate, and he got stopped too, and they took his money as well. What does he use? A hundred something k. What's up with that? I mean, come on, like that's obviously going to raise some red flags. Yeah, it's uh, well, it did raise red flags, and but I'll tell you first, if you're wondering. If you are flying domestically in the United States, never crossing the United States, United States border, TSA's own rules, which are published, they're, they're, they're in the public domain. Anyone can go pull them up. And it says in there, it is Ill, not illegal. It is absolutely not illegal to fly with large amounts of cash within the United States. So knowing that, uh, Ramon Lyon carried through $115,000. Uh, he, he says he does most of his business in cash. He owns a gaming business in Raleigh. And he says he was flying out to California to meet a vendor to buy video machines for this gaming business. And so he loads his money into his bag, takes it through TSA. And, um, of course, you know, once it, it goes through the scanner, uh, the TSA officers see what the feds call bulk currency. They could see this in the bag, and, you know, it, it, it went on from there. So now, and you mentioned in your story that uh, an officer noted a strong odor of marijuana coming from the luggage. Lyon had, quote, artfully concealed a bundle of vacuum-sealed money under the liner of his carry-on bag. Now, mm-hmm. um, I could understand why you might want to conceal $100,000 <laughs> in the piece of luggage, because you don't want to get robbed, um, but I also kind of wonder, like, is this like, is he doing something illicit here and he got caught and now, you know, he's going to come up with a story because he was actually trying to do something. And I think this is what the allegation is in a lot of these cases, which is they're bringing a bunch of money into another state that allows marijuana sales and they're going to bring pot back. They're going to make a bunch of, bu- they're running drug money basically. Right. Isn't that the idea? Yeah, I think that's the idea, but, you know, you just think about this. You know, what moron would go through an airport with money that could be easily 
tied to the drug trade, right? Well, that's, that's the first question. Ramon Lyons said that he, this is his story again. He's going to buy gaming machines. Right. And, but, you know, he does have a lengthy criminal record. I mean, this guy has been convicted of multiple felony drug charges, some trafficking charges, you know, that started in the early 90s. But his last convictions were in January of 2011. So nearly 12 years ago. Uh, was the last time he was convicted of, of any crime. And the feds wrote that in the affidavit that they filed to argue to a judge that we believe that this money is connected to the drug trade. Not that we can prove it, but we believe. And that is all it takes. That is the standard under civil asset forfeiture for the feds to take your money and you never get it back. What I found the most disturbing in this story was the video of... Ramon Lyons' uh, interaction with law enforcement, who was a Raleigh police officer, Aaron Woodleaf, um, who described himself, according to your report, as being attached to Homeland Security when it comes to cash seizure investigations. And he says, look, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to seize your money. This seems odd. And uh, we're going to give you 60 days to come up with the receipts, and the U.S. Attorney's Office will give you the chance to provide legitimacy for your money, and, uh, and we're going to start investigating you. I mean, he's kind of like like really coming at the guy pretty hard on um, this you know threat of an investigation. We're going to get all up in your bank accounts. We're going to take your phones. We're going to look through everything. Or you can sign away this money. And all of this goes away. And yeah. that, to me, is, again, like, you're not, fi- and I think you asked a lawyer this in one of your reports, like, this is not crime fighting anymore, right? This is a shakedown. Well, that's what Ramon Lyon believes happened. And his attorney also believes that, that this was a shakedown by, again, a local police officer who could not do this at, under the oath he swore to North Carolina. But he can because he has cross-sworn as a federal officer. So he gets to, and, he, and the officer says this in the interrogation, we change hats, meaning that at, on one level, they are just state law enforcers. On the other, when they need to, when a large amount of cash comes through an airport, they could put on this other hat and become a task force officer and, and take this money. But the officer tells him early in that interrogation video, he says, I believe there is some legitimacy to your claims. So the officer's telling him, yeah, I believe that you may be going to California to purchase these gaming machines for your business, but I'm still going to seize your money, and you're going to have to prove to us and the U.S. Attorney's Office that it is not connected to criminal activity. Well, how do you do that? Right. Seems proving the negative. Or you can simply sign this piece of paper and forfeit all of your money to us, and you'll never hear from us again. Pete, I want to tell you, man, when I first caught wind of this video and we got this that video very late in our investigation because these these videos i have not found another one like it anywhere yeah. from one end of youtube to the other anywhere on the internet where you see this part of civil asset forfeiture but i got this video and you know, the person who gave it to me said listen you are going to hear a federal agent in these videos tell a guy i don't want to sound like a used car salesman but <laughs> and then he threatens, you know, this is what we're going to do with not with one or more federal investigations. We're going to find out your favorite color, your favorite food. But, again, like you said, if you sign this piece of paper, you could forego those investigations and walk away. And we'll never 
you know, this is done when you sign it over. This is what so, you, you hear these same these same types of conversations you hear in stories about traveling in war torn countries, right? In corrupt mm-hmm. government run countries where people have to you got to pay at all of the tolls basically as you go, or else you don't get passage. Yeah, and, and this is you know this is a you know, the part that I think that people that maybe offends the senses of just people who are inherently American is that. We all believe in the court systems and when it comes to law enforcement that we all are presumed innocent until proven guilty. Well, under civil asset forfeiture, again, this has been going on at least since 1984, that these federal agents have the authority by just arguing that they believe that you are this money, not even you, but the money you're possessing is somehow connected to criminal activity, that they can seize that money, go before a court, and, and a judge essentially makes the decision whether you get it or not, based off of the preponderance of the evidence standard in the civil courts, meaning it's more likely than not that this money is somehow connected to, to, to crimes. Right. It's not the criminal standard of beyond a reasonable doubt. It's simple 51 percent to 49 percent. Yeah. So as long as, you know, plus one and, and that's it, you lose the money. Um, well. Right. Uh, great work. Uh, it's a really good story. I urge people to go check it out at the website. That's uh, fox46.com. And Jody Barr, Chief Investigator at Fox 46 Charlotte. Thanks so much for your time, man. Appreciate it. Hey, thank y'all too.